answer that. How are you all doing? Are you feeling festive? You've heard a little, oh, oh, there's a good crowd over here. They've already been in the mulled wine, no. <laughs> but we're, um, it's, it's, you're feeling festive, aren't you? You've sung a few carols, we've heard the Christmas story, and um, like there's, there's lights are twinkling. We can smell the mulled wine in the air. And so our anticipation and our expectation of Christmas is building. And I know that for some of you, the expectation has been building for quite some time because there's some of you in this room that have had your decorations up since the middle of November. And I know that because you put your decorations up and then you put it on Facebook so I could like it. And, uh, but I fully, I mean, I get why, I get why shops have to do it because, you know, they want us to get into the festive suit feel as quickly as possible they want to sell us stuff but I fully maintain that our decorations should not be up for so long that they require dusting <laughs> full stop anyway um, expectations and Christmas that's kind of what I want to look at today and um, often when we talk about Christmas we talk about children being involved in Christmas and it's always about the children and I was uh, thinking a little bit about the very first Christmas that my husband Tim and I we uh, were parents for the first time and uh, we actually adopted two children they arrived um, on December the 2nd so like little early Christmas presents to little boys uh, the older one was six and the younger one four uh, they haven't stopped climbing trees since Anyway, um, they arrived and it was like the month of December. And so, you know, as new parents, we threw ourselves into Christmas. We took them to the parties. We went to see the lights. We did all of the stuff that you would expect to do in that month. And I remember on Christmas Eve saying to them, you know, as they went to bed, and they went to bed so nicely, in new pajamas, all of that sort of stuff. And they were like, I said, if there's anything in your room in the morning, you can bring it in and you can show mum and dad what you've got. And they're like, oh, okay. And they just went to sleep. Six and four. I'm just making that very clear. They just went to sleep. And in the morning, very early in the morning, um, they're knocking on our door and they're like bringing these sacks in. And they're like, mum, what's this? And I'm like, well, Father Christmas has been. He's bought you some presents. There they are. And... Um, uh, so we took, we showed them how to open the sacks and get the stuff out and unwrap everything. And, uh, and they did all of that. And they were quite quick at learning how to unwrap stuff. And at the end of that, I mean, it took a little while. There was quite a lot in those packages. Father Christmas was particularly generous that year. Um, but at the end of all of that, they just said, Mum, can we go and get breakfast? And I was like, okay. So we left everything there, went down and got breakfast. During the whole day, lots of people came with visitors come, family come. They all bought presents. The kids unwrapped the presents and then just left them because that's what they thought they had to do. And in the evening after they'd gone to bed and we were just sitting chatting and reflecting, and I realized that our children had absolutely no idea what a gift was. There was no expectation that the gift that they had unwrapped was for them and that they were allowed to play for it, play with it. And I'm like, how can a four-year-old, let alone a six-year-old in this country not understand that a gift is for them? And I also reflected on my own feelings because I think, you know, we'd really like gone for it that whole month and I had this big expectation of giving my kids the best Christmas ever but they didn't even have a Christmas to compare it to so like it was the best Christmas ever but 
but like nothing to compare it to is a bit naff really. And so um, there, there was all sorts of expectations that for me were dashed and for the kids. Well, over the next few weeks and months, they learned how to play those games. They accessed all of them. We learned, they learned about gifts and what it meant and they had birthdays and so on. And then there was Christmas 2007. And there were two problems. One was that we realized that we'd made a rookie mistake and that we had set the bar so high the first year that we had to go over the top the second year to match their expectations because I was going to match their expectations. I am that kind of mother. And then Christmas Eve, oh my goodness, three o'clock in the morning, Father Christmas, oh, this was a little bit later, but Father Christmas sent me a text message to say, really sorry, running behind, I'm going to have to leave all the parcels outside by the front door, can't come in. And that was the only way the boys managed to get a little bit of sleep on Christmas night that year. But they had had a whole year of learning about it, and they had expectations which were met. Expectations. Oh, just walking over a, a prop. That's not good, is it? At the beginning of our time together, we heard, uh, beautifully read by our young people, we heard about a set of expectations. The prophet Isaiah was writing about someone who was speaking about someone who was coming. And the people that heard that were hearing about someone that was yet to come. In fact, we now know, with hindsight, we know that there were 700 years that elapsed from when Isaiah was speaking to when Jesus was actually born. Obviously, the people that heard it didn't know there were 700 years. But but they were beginning to live with a set of expectations. One of the things that I read and I heard in that passage was that this person that was coming would be a wonderful counsellor. Like we say those words, but what is wonderful counsellor? This is the one that can give you the most perfect counsel in every situation and in every circumstance of life. The good, the bad and the ugly. We heard that he would be mighty God, like mighty, almighty, powerful, completely full of strength. No one can compare to this one everlasting father. I don't think any of us really have a sense of what everlasting really means. You know, the forever and ever and forever and forever and forever. And I could go on forever. But forever, God is our everlasting father. And Isaiah spoke of the prince of peace, the one who would come, who would provide peace in every circumstance. Isaiah talked about a king that will reign, who will govern with justice and with righteousness. The people who heard this and the people that heard this in the years to come lived with an expectation. Yet I don't think anybody at all expected for Jesus to arrive as a baby with some quite questionable parentage. That's kind of wasn't what they were expecting. I don't know what people were expecting. And maybe he might have come as a baby, but surely if he's the king that's going to change everything, surely he'd arrive in a palace and be, you know, born with lots of fanfare and, and announcements and everybody would know about it. 
Even the wise men, we just heard that passage that was read. Even the wise men, they followed the star and they actually, they thought they were coming to find a king. So where are they going to go? They're going to go to a palace. So they went and rocked up at a palace looking for the king, only to find out that the real king wasn't actually there. And then they continued to follow the star and they basically found Jesus in a regular home. I don't think anybody expected Jesus to kind of have just a normal trade. He was a carpenter. That's not what they expected the king of all kings to do. And yet Jesus turned everything on its head. We kind of know what kings are. I mean, earlier this year, many of us watched the the, um, ceremony that involved coronating King Charles, and we saw the regalia and the pomp and the circumstance and all that that was surrounding King Charles. We saw what made a king. But Jesus turned it all on his head, all on his head. He came humbly as a baby, not to be served, but to become the servant of all. The birth of Jesus kick-started a whole new way of living, a way of living that was so radically countercultural and absolutely open to everybody, regardless of age, gender, class, colour, ability, Jesus is absolutely open and uh, available for every single person. And it's this birth that we celebrate today. We know that Jesus grew up to be the man that Isaiah prophesied. The life and the person of Jesus is worth knowing. And I don't know, Sydney, I'm looking at all of you, what your expectations of Jesus are. For some of you, you know Jesus and you have certain expectations. But some of you sitting here are like, I've got no expectations, or maybe, or I'm not sure. And actually, in this season, I want to challenge you that if you're thinking, I wonder what this Jesus thing is about. Why do we have all of this stuff that's called Christmas? Why do we do all the stuff that we do around Christmas? Why is this celebration so important and so key? Can I encourage you to maybe ask someone about who Jesus is? Maybe you know a regular churchgoer. You could just say, what's going on? Tell me about it. Or you could find out more about Jesus by just rocking up to church on a Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, 10.30, You can find out more about Jesus then. But also, um, we run something here called an Alpha Course, which many people in the church have done. And it's a great way of discovering who Jesus is. The Alpha Course is an international course. It's been run all over the world. It's been running for almost 30 years, I think. And it's a 10-week course. It's completely free. It's a really low-key way of just asking the questions about faith and finding out what is this about? What goes on here? Why do we do that? And uh, so our next course starts on the 16th of January. So maybe as you're making some New Year's resolutions and you're tidying things away, you might just think to yourself, actually, I might just, just do a bit of like research on this Jesus thing. Why is he so important? The wise men bought gifts and we give gifts. That's a tradition at Christmas. And so we've started a bit of a tradition here and we've also got a little gift for you, hopefully one that I've not walked all over. Um, so that this is available um, afterwards. We'd love you to take the little bag away. There's some sweet treats in there. There's a, a bit more information about all the different services that I've got coming up over Christmas. We've got a little voucher in there for the coffee shop that you can use in January. Don't try and use it tonight. And um, 
advert about Alpha. You might have done Alpha and invite, you to invite somebody else to Alpha or put it on your fridge and use it as a reminder to sign up. But um, please do take one. They'll be available as you leave. Now, we had a lot of people in the first service, so I'm just going to say one per family while stocks last. That's my caveat. And, um, but do take that. So all I've really got left to say now is have a very happy and very peace-filled Christmas.